Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live and direct from the City of Angels. Welcome in. Hope you had a great sports weekend, getting ready for the best time of the year, man. October, fall baseball that matters. Of course, NFL football cranks up as we start to figure out what's what, who's who. And uh, NBA, as we're having media days take place in a huge trade over the weekend. Huge, huge trade over the weekend. Uh, plus, college football, really, really interesting. Is um, uh, I would just simply make the case Saquon Barkley is the best college football player in the country. He may not win the Heisman Trophy, but that's because the Heisman Trophy is stupid. It's no longer, it hasn't been for a long time about the best college football player in the country. He's the best. Dude, he jumped over a dude by about a foot in the Iowa game. It was, it is incredible. Uh, But look, I couldn't start the day without talking what's really, really important. 
Uh, John Ramos shaved his head. That is true, Doug. <laughs> Do you shave your head because you won or because you lost in soccer coaching your uh, your daughter's team? I'd love to say if it was because we won, but unfortunately that is a, not a true statement. No, seriously, I, there's look, I guess I'm supposed to divert this show and talk about uh, the protests over the weekend, which are protests really in regards to uh, what President Trump said in like a in like a stump speech for a politician running for office on Friday night. But I'm not going to take the bait. Hey, like I, I actually think like this whole deal is about Trump acting like he's not playing politics and he's playing politics. Like this is how you win elections, believe it or not. Right. You blame all of somebody's problems on somebody else, somebody who is successful uh, or you you divide and you hope that it energizes your side enough to which it turbocharges kind of your your base and your people show up and that's how you win an election. That's what he's done. And I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Like there's there's other levels to it which would be which would be interesting, right? Like the fact that it in in his de- in his desire to divide, it's in many ways united. But like, look, this is not close to the craziest thing he said. It's not close to the most divisive thing he said, the most unpresidential thing he said either before or while in office. And I kind of feel like the more we talk about it, the more it's like he's one of those guys to which, for whatever reason, even bad publicity is good publicity for him. And I ain't doing it. You know why? Because it was too awesome a sports weekend. Maybe the craziest part about the whole thing was, honestly, the protests had kind of died down. Like, there were still guys taking a knee. There were still guys that were taking a stance. But there was this search for kind of a next wave, like a next step. And, uh, all right, now what? We're aware that there are problems. How do we solve them? <laughs> but in his effort to, whether it's energize his base or just say something crazy... Because really what he said was not any different than had been said previously by other people's the di- people. The difference was he worked in an SOB, which, of course, ruffled everybody's feather and reinvigorated some of the feelings about what he said after Charlottesville. Really, that's all that changed. Uh, but in his, his effort to quell the protest, he's actually drawn more attention to protest and, and, and supercharged the, ter- the protest. But look... The Giants losing on a 61-yard field goal. Odell Beckham's ill-fated celebration. Uh, The Ravens completely no-showing in Jacksonville. Hell, people in England think Blake Bortles is a good quarterback, right? Like, these things to me, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers showing why, damn it, they're Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And Tony Romo learning exactly why, why Andy Dalton is thought of like Andy Dalton is thought of. Those things. Carmelo Anthony playing in Oklahoma City with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Way more interesting to me than reacting to something said on Friday night to which all of us can view as, like, what are you doing? And causing a pregame protest to which anybody, I think, can get behind. Uh, so I'm not going to take that bait. I talked about it. If you want to talk about it, you can. You can call us, 877-99 on Fox, right? Go for it. Um, 
But like, all right, how about this one? The the probabilities for making the playoffs when you're three and zero, like the Falcons and Chiefs, are both three and zero on the season. And the truth is, the Chiefs they won twenty four to ten, but their offense wasn't that impressive. I thought the Chargers' defense, until Hunt had that long with sixty nine yard uh, touchdown to kind of seal the deal. Chargers defense did a good job. I'm not sure Phillip Rivers is good enough anymore. He was bad. Three first half interceptions, underthrowing guys in the second half. I, I get the, the the Chiefs defense is good, but some of that was operator error. But the Falcons and Chiefs are running at about 75% chance, likelihood of making the playoffs. Whereas all the teams that are two and one are somewhere in the neighborhood of 56 to uh uh, the Panthers are two and on by like thirty six percent chance of getting to the playoffs, but you're about fifty percent chance of making the playoffs if you're two and one. About seventy five percent chance of making the playoffs if you're three and zero. That's what the Detroit Lions lost yesterday when they lost at home on what can only be only be considered uh, a proper application of the letter of the law, an ill fated application of the spirit of the law on this play. Have never led in this game. Stafford's throw, catch me, touchdown Lions! It's Golden Tate, and they lead for the first time today. All scoring plays reviewed, and does he cross the goal line clearly before he's down with possession of the football? Sure looks that way. The Lions sweating it out. Golden Tate, did he break the plane before his knee was down? And you want to get this right. After reviewing the play, the ruling on the field has changed. The runner was, was touched down at the half a yard line. He was short of the goal line. By rule, we would go back to a running clock and we have a 10-second runoff. So by rule, the game is over. By rule. Again, by rule. And there was, what, like eight seconds to go. The Lions are playing at home. By rule, it ends up running off. And so the Lions lose. They don't get, they had, I think it was going to be third down. They would have had the ball with at least one play, if not two plays, a chance to still win the game. That's what the, that's what the Lions lost. Here's um, Dean Blandino. New Fox NFL rules expert. Let's bring in our rules analyst with, working with Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino, who made these calls from New York for the league last year and is with Fox. And Dean, your view of this. Yeah, the, the key is the knee is down. He has control of the football and he's touched. The ball is short of the goal line. If it's me looking at this, I'm going to make this short of the goal line. And since the ruling on the field stopped the clock, we're overturning it to a running clock. We have a 10-second runoff. And since Detroit's out of timeouts, the game is over. You would have the guts to make that call? I'm saying that now in the, in the <laughs> comfort of the Fox studio that I would have the guts to make that call. Not here in Detroit at Ford Field. Wow, the runoff is a great point, Dean, that I don't think most of us would have thought about. That's it, exactly. The rule is if you go from a stop clock to a running clock inside two minutes, then there's a 10-second runoff, and since Detroit is out of timeout. It's, it's one of those things that exists that doesn't actually need to exist. Uh, the, I don't know if you guys remember, the Baltimore Ravens, when they won in the Super Bowl, they were to run out the clock against the San Francisco 49ers. They snapped the ball to punt, and everybody, all the, their entire 
uh, special teams unit grabbed the Niners and were holding. And then they ran down time before they then, I don't know if they, I don't remember, they ran out of the end zone or they kicked, or they, I think they ran out of the end zone and they kicked the ball out, kicked it out of bounds. But the idea is that even if they were to have a penalty call against them, you couldn't put the time back on the clock. So it wouldn't have actually mattered. Point is quite simple. Like this is one of those rules that that existed, and I'm sure there's a logical reason. Like we do this all the time with NCA rules and regulations, right? Like why the hell they have that rule? At some point in time, somebody's like, "This made sense," but by letter of the law, but by spirit of the law, you don't want to penalize the Lions who had the ball with eight seconds at home at the one foot yard line, a chance to snap the ball at least once, maybe twice, and still win the football game. Like, that to me is bigger and more interesting than Donald Trump called people who protest SOBs and we're all offended by it, so let's talk. Like, I have I have nothing. What do, what do you want me to say? What, what do you want me to say? Like, he talked about the size of his junk in a presidential debate, right? Like, he, we know about the videotape where he used the P word, talk about grabbing women by like, I was done then. I was done then. I was. And I was like, all right, you know. So if you want me to say it was dumb what he said, like, okay. If you want me to talk about the different protests, like, okay. I've, I've never, I would never, I would still stand for the flag. I would. And I would tell my son or daughter to stand for the flag. When we watch the national anthem at home, I tell my children to stand up, put their hand over their heart. But I also understand that if you want to protest and bring attention to something, like, you can't. I wouldn't do it. Um, and if I did do it, I would have some kind of... On the other hand, I also think it's fair to say, like, people, I've heard people be critical of Ray Lewis because Ray Lewis took a knee when previously he said he wouldn't take a knee. Shannon Sharp was critical of Ray Lewis today on, on Undisputed. Like, does Shannon Sharp not understand? Like, things did change before Sunday, right? I was like, all right, I had people protesting, some people for, some people against it. And then it was the name calling, the vitriol. And they're like, all right, well, now um, we're going to, it actually united people. Like, all right. Because the protests were previously about bringing attention to police brutality. Now it's basically bringing attention to, to the fact that they don't like the president and how he's representing our country. Correct? So if you want me to go on and on about how, you know, like, I, again, I think. In many ways, I don't, I don't agree necessarily with what Clay Travis said on his show, whereas uh, Donald Trump is winning. But I do think there is a certain, this is kind of how he's always won. Say things that are incredibly divisive that a lot of us are like, what are you doing? But enough, like even in Alabama, there are people that were cheering. Like, all right. Those early games on Sunday were unbelievable. Packers with a comeback in the late in the late window. Unbelievable. Seahawks and Richard Sherman, who should have been thrown out of the game. Unbelievable. The targeting rule on Saturday night when a UCLA cornerback gets caught and gets thrown out for targeting, then goes into the locker room and starts tweeting, like, what do you guys want me to do? That's way more interesting to me than uh Old white people in Alabama having problems with dudes taking a knee because of police brutality, calling calling them SOBs and everybody getting really, really upset and protesting more the vitriol and the right to do it than anything else. 
Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. My son and I are driving home to watch the Giants game. The Giants have been terrible, been like managing and watching the game on my phone. He's a big Giants fan. Odell Beckham Jr. catches his first touchdown. The Giants offense had done nothing all day. So in the fourth quarter, they went from inept to ept. Right? They were finally ept, at least for a couple of drives. And then he does this. I was in the end zone. I scored a touchdown. I'm a dog. So I acted like a dog. Um, I don't really know. I didn't know if the rule book said you can't hike your leg. Um, he said I peed on somebody. So I was, I was trying to find the imaginary ghost that I peed on. Um, but I didn't see him. But either way it goes, you play football. I, I, I wear red and white. I don't wear black and white with stripes on it. I don't make calls. I just play football. Huh? What? Like, my son is eight years old. He loves Odell Beckham Jr. Loves. My dog's name is Odell Beckham Jr. Jr. My son wears a number 13 jersey as often as he can. Like every little kid, if you have a little boy you know, and probably a little girl, you have a little boy you know, all they want to do is make the one-hand Odell Beckham Jr. catch. Right? Ball is coming dead at their face. They try and catch it with one hand. Why? Because OBJ did it that way. Correct? He, he turns to me, when, when it happened, we heard it on the radio because we were listening to the local radio feed uh, in, the, in the car from New York. And they were like, what is he doing? My son's like, what is he doing? We get home, we turn it on, we rewind it, we review it, and he's like, that's just, that's not smart. That's gross. That's dumb. Like, we have a dog named Odebeck, and we wouldn't even want our, we don't even, like, what was he doing? And this is like one of the issues with the, let the players celebrate. Will we stop? Okay. If you let them celebrate, they do stupid things like this. I understand the intent of letting, there's a, I, there, was, there was another celebration. I can't, I'm trying to remember who it was. Who uh, A guy caught a screen pass, ran for a touchdown, then he's pointing to his teammates. You, you, you. That was awesome. But like, Obi, do you not get it? Do you not get it? And I think the answer is no. And and the thing about the touchdown celebrations is I generally don't like the argument of think of the kids, but all the kids want to know is like, what did Odell Beckham score? And then what, or Antonio Brown, and then what was the dance they did? Because I want to do that when I score. And now you're like, he's peeing on a, like, what are you doing? It's not even like gross or funny. It's just dumb. You had all week to think of something, and that's what you came up with? I'm a dog. That's what dogs do. Dogs do a lot of things. Dogs do a lot of things. I don't, can't help you, man. If you don't realize that you didn't need to do it, didn't fire up your team, and only cost your team 15 yards, I, I kind of, we can't help you. And anybody excusing it isn't just being honest with themselves. Like, that's one of those, like, what are you doing? How did you think this was a good idea? I don't know. And I love the guy. I love the guy's talent. Tremendous talent. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Let's get the voice of an expert, a guy who's coached on two Super Bowl championship teams, uh, in a family synonymous with football and synonymous with defense. He's a Fox NFL analyst. You can hear him also on... um, Fox Sports Radio, Sunday mornings. He's Rob Ryan. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. 
Is it fair at all to place the lack of offensive rhythm for the Pittsburgh Steelers on the shoulder of Le'Veon Bell, considering, like, I know you got to hold out for your contract, do whatever, but but not having him at all in camp seems to have hurt them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I think you have you can't play the game on your terms. Uh, you know, so holdouts, you know, if you're going to hold out and all that, it's going to hurt the team eventually. I mean, uh, obviously you mentioned the timing there. I believe uh, Bell never played the first couple games last year, but he was in camp. So, uh, you know, I just think everything that goes with it, living together with your brothers, going into training camp, sweating it out, you know, doing all the things, getting the timing of the offense. I mean, it all matters. Lost in the uh, Patriots' comeback win is the fact that Deshaun Watson's a rookie quarterback, and though he threw a couple picks, he sliced them up pretty good. Um, are, are those issues with the Patriots' defense fixable, Rob? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, this isn't rocket science. You know, uh, he's oh wait, well the coordinator is he'll fix it. I mean, look, I've worked for Bill Belichick for four years, four of the best years of my life, learning uh, you know exactly how to coach in this league and. And, uh, you know, situational football is so important. Uh, you know, Matt Patricia will get it together uh, schematically. You know, he's got a couple corners that can play man coverage. I know Gilmore got banged up yesterday uh, after an interception, but uh, he'll get him playing better. The, the thing that I don't like the look of is, you know, their physicality just doesn't look like uh, a New England Patriot trademark team. Uh, not yet anyway. So uh, I, think, I think that has to improve. And, uh, you know, but there's no no coaching staff and no coach that will stress the fundamentals to get these guys uh, to play better uh, than Belichick. And his teams will get better each year. You know, as the year's going on, as it progresses, they'll get a lot better. So I don't think there needs to be a panic at anything. But I'll tell you one thing. You know, you mentioned Deshaun Watson and how great he did. Uh, You know, I think it was an excellent game plan by Bill O'Brien. But of all people... Uh, you're playing against Tom Brady. It's fourth in a half a yard. You need to go for it in that situation because the easy way out is to say, well, I'm going to kick a field goal. We'll up, go up by five. Well, that's the dumbest way out because it's not going to work against Tom Brady. It's not going to work against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in New England. All right? And we can pretend I, I never called that uh, before it ever happened. Uh, you know, I've, I've been on the other end two different times and lost in New England with Dallas, we played them better than anybody all year and got beat in the last last play of the game. New Orleans, the same thing. Uh, you have to be aggressive. When you have the chance to win the game, control the clock and burn it all the way out, you have to do it. And I was just shocked that Bill O'Brien coming from the New England system and the style of play and knowing how important uh, situational football is, uh, you know, drop the ball on that one. You know, I, I thought the same. I don't know how, how intently you watch the Chargers against the Chiefs, uh, but but I, I thought the same thing of the Chargers. You know, once they punted from Kansas City 40, once they punted from the Kansas City 35-yard line, and I got it, you got a, a rookie kicker, and he's been erratic early, and you don't want to let give him a chance at a long field. Okay, fine. But, like, look, at some point, you, you got to – you got to let the offense think you believe in them, right? Like, Phillip Rivers was bad in the first half. They're still kind of hanging around. They're down seven. And twice, um, you know, they end up punting, at, you know, one, 40, one at the 40, one at the 35. Is, is that a fair critique to make of a first-year head coach in San Diego? Yeah, I never saw those games. But, you know, I understand the situations you're talking about. 
I think, you know, you mentioned, well, you don't have a lot of confidence in the kicker. Well, we'll get another kicker. You know, I mean, this, this guy, uh, if nobody has confidence in him after two weeks and losing the way they did, maybe they should add another kicker in there. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, something else that could come into play there too. But, um, you know, I'm not, I never got to see the exact situations on, on those fourth downs and how many yards they had to go and all that uh, as Anthony Lynn, but, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure Anthony talked about it before the game sat down. I had a meeting and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure everybody was on board. But, uh, you know, to me, I think you have to try to win games also as a coach. Uh, Rob Ryan, our guest from the Doug Gottlieb Show. You can hear him Sunday mornings, Fox Sports Radio, 1 o'clock Eastern time. So it's 10 o'clock Pacific with Mark Willard reacting to all the NFL games live as they happened. Uh, late Sunday game, of course, was the Redskins who really picked apart that Raiders offense. And it's a Raiders offense to which everybody has said, really good offensive line. People comment on Derek Carr. Derek Carr, after the game fell on the sword, said it was on him. What were the Redskins able to do, Rob, from uh, your perspective to take the Raiders out of everything they want to do offensively? Well, I think uh, the Redskins are, are a unique team. They can play man coverage and win one-on-one on the outside. And that's a huge plus for them. They have physical big corners uh, and that really allows them to do some things that other teams can't do. Also, with the pressure, uh, you know, that they they can generate with a four-man rush is outstanding. I mean, they have Junior Gallet, who's, you know, was a, a Pro Bowl player for me in, in New Orleans, coming off the bench. I mean, uh, you know, with Kerrigan and, and uh, Smith, those, those uh, edge guys, I mean, that, you know, that's an, a, a chance to be an outstanding football team, and, and they were fantastic. You know, you have to give Greg Minuski a lot of credit uh, going in there, taking over a new job as a coordinator, and he's done an outstanding job with them. And uh, also, you know, the the way the Redskins were able to attack that Raider defense, you know, and dismantle them, pick them apart, they couldn't ever get off the field. So that also, you know, helps your, your defense. All right, uh, Denver last week. We're going to see the Cowboys tonight against the Arizona Cardinals. Rob Ryan, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, last week, you know, the Cowboys were, you know, forced to throw the football. They could not get Ezekiel Elliott going. Uh, what about the, the Cardinals? Do they have the defensive personnel to shut down that running game and make Dak beat them? Well, I mean, you know, the thing with the Cardinals is, is – they they do have a, a ton of talent out there on defense, and they've been one of the better defenses in the league. The last few years, they've been in the top five just about every year. I think the biggest thing they, they did is they lost Calais Campbell, who really was their, was their leader up front. And anytime you take a leader off of a unit, it's tough. It's a complete different uh, dynamic. Uh, uh, when, when I was in New Orleans, I'll speak for myself because uh, – no, New Orleans, we had the worst defense statistic in the history, taken over for Steve Spagnuolo, who's a great coach. I walked in there. I, I inherited a lot of good players but good leaders. We went to fourth in the league. The next year, we cut our two best leaders on defense, and we fell apart. So I think, you know, there's, there's the unwritten thing. You just, you know, it doesn't look exactly the same. Well, the, the emotions of the game probably aren't the same. The, uh, you know, when you lose great players that are leaders – it hurts you. I mean, it does. And, and it, you know, the Cardinal defense doesn't look as great as it usually does. And I think a big chunk of that falls on losing uh, Campbell. 
Uh, that's Rob Ryan. You can check him out Sunday mornings on Fox Sports Radio or Sunday middays, whatever, 1 o'clock each time. Why, when the games kick off, you want to know what's really going on, who sees it better than Rob Ryan. He's alongside Mark Willard on FSR. Uh, Rob, thanks so much for joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right. Hey, a big fan of yours at Oklahoma State. We were together back then. I, I, I coordinator for, for the teams, and you were a fantastic point guard. And, and uh, it was really exciting to take those recruits in. Shoot, we get them all signed up because you'd be winning the game passing that ball like you did. Dude, I, re- I remember the Alamo Bowl year. I, I, I can't believe who was it who got beat deep by, against Missouri? Uh, which one of your two? You had two stud cornerbacks. And one was I it, did. Was, I it R- R- was it RW and Kevin Williams? Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't throw any of them under the bus. I'm going to blame myself, like Derek Carwood. Uh, it was a rainstorm. I wouldn't throw you under the bus. It was a great <laughs> game against Missouri. I think you lost in like double overtime or maybe even triple overtime. You oh, tried to, we did. Tried to run the swinging gate, right? The, the, that, oh yeah, that was the, the worst game we played all year. And uh, but I know one thing, you know. Shoot, I was there three years, fortunate enough to be there three years, and we were nationally ranked on defense every year, but we were also in the NCAA tournament on basketball because you were doing your thing as well. All right, man. We'll, we'll catch up in person, Rob. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, Doug. Take care. Rob Ryan joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He used to wear his – still had, had the hair when he was there, wore Converse every day. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Big Ben Roethlisberger, in addition to le- leading his team to a loss to the Chicago Bears, right, with Martavis Bryant, with uh, Le'Veon Bell, with Antonio Brown, with this great offense in which he was 22 for 39, uh, he released a statement this, uh, this morning. He, he tweeted this out. I was unable to sleep last night and want to share my thoughts and feelings on our team's decision to remain in the tunnel for the national anthem yesterday. The idea was to be unified as a team, when so much attention is paid to dividing things in our country, but I wish to I wish we approached it differently. We do not want to appear divided on the sideline with some standing or some kneeling or sitting. As a team, it was not a protest of the flag or the anthem. I personally don't believe the anthem is ever the time to make any type of protest. For me and many others on my team around the league, it's a tribute to those who commit to serve and protect our country current and past, especially the ones who made the ultimate sacrifice. I I appreciate the unique diversity in my team and throughout the league and completely support the call for social change and the pursuit of true equality. Moving forward, I hope standing for the national anthem shows solidarity as a nation. We stand united in respect of the people on the front lines protecting our freedom and keeping us safe. God bless these men and women. All right. So Ben Rosberg is like, look, I think we should always stand for the national anthem. I wish we had not stayed in the tunnel. Here's the only, there's a couple of problems with it. First thing is, like, man, the team decided to do something united, and now I'm going to do something which is divisive. Secondly, one of his teammates actually went out and stood for the national anthem. Like, man, I wish I could have done it, but um, Alejandro Villanueva went out there and put his hand over his heart. Of course, he's a uh, former member of our U.S. military. Like, I, I wanted to go out there so bad, but I just couldn't. Villanueva did. Like, look, after, um, which hurricane was it? Was it Irma that went over Houston? Which is the one that, was, that got stuck over her, uh, Houston? Harvey. Harvey was over Houston. And, and by the way, we should be paying as much attention to what happened in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico uh, needs 
just as much help as Houston. It is terrible what's going on down there. Um, but after Hurricane Harvey, Kelvin Sampson, head coach of Houston, did something that's incredible. He put a call out to um, all college basketball programs to send gear, and then they would disperse. They're still set, dispersing the gear out to people who are in need. And college basketball programs are incredible. Division One, Division Two, NAIA, they're all just sending stuff to the University of Houston, and they're giving out all this gear to people who lost everything. Now, look, when this happened, I called a couple of my buddies. I'm like, hey, I don't have, like, you know, stacks and stacks of free gear. But what I do have is I have an awesome, awesome game short collection. I do. Like, everywhere I've gone for 15 years and called games, I have tons of game shorts. We should all get together and send them down to Houston. And my wife was like, you, you kind of missed it. Kelvin did it. It was better. It was bigger. It was awesome. Just kind of get behind it, retweet it. You want to send him some stuff, send him some stuff. But don't try and steal. Don't try and one-up. Like, he already came up with the idea. He already got behind it. He's got more powerful people. Like, just send money, send your shorts, do whatever. But don't try and do your kind of... But that's what Ben Roethlisberger's doing, right? Villanueva goes out there, puts his hand over his heart, stands up for the national anthem. Only guy to do it. Why? It's kind of true leadership. And, and I do think there's a, a good portion of NFL players that are like, look, I'd prefer to stand for the national anthem. That's just what I think. I appreciate the diversity. Like, this is such Big Ben BS. This is no different than the, you know, you know, I, I might retire. I might retire. It could happen because Ben Roethlisberger wants to hear people go like, oh, Ben, don't leave. Come, we can't win without you, Ben. Just like he wants to hear today, attaboy, Ben, true leadership, true American, true patriot. Like, dude, you had a shot. You could have walked down the tunnel, arm in arm with Villanueva, put your hand over the heart, and stand for the National Anthem and just go like, look, I respect those guys, but this is what I want to do. But this, I mean, or don't and keep your mouth shut and just go, hey, we made a decision as a team, and I stand by that decision. But this, uh, we wanted to be united, but now I'm going to divide us. I mean, it's just Ben so badly wants to be something he's not. Just be quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, dude. Be a little bit better offensively than you've been so far with all those weapons. And the rest will work out for you. Because this thing, not working out for you. Nothing wrong with just being a quarterback. There's nothing wrong with just playing football, with, with sticking to sports. Or there's nothing wrong with standing for the national anthem. Uh, I actually think what the Steelers tried to do was the smart things. Like, look, we're not going to engage. Like, why engage? That's what, that's what he wants. That's what the whatever percentage of people were doing the attaboys to the Friday night speech. First of all, like, if we actually paid, I don't know if you guys know this. So he went down to stump for a guy running for a local, for, for a local like, Senate seat or whatever. During his, like, speech of support, which was all over the place, he actually said, like, yeah, if this guy doesn't win, he gets beat. I'll come down to support the other guy. Like, eh. It was, the whole thing was bizarre. But whatever portion of the people who were, like, all behind this deal, like, all you're doing is helping by engaging. Just, like, don't engage. Don't engage. I mean, honestly, the protests were kind of going away. 
if anything, he reinvigorated. I actually think that uh, President Trump really helped Colin Kaepernick get back into the NFL. Because I don't, I think most of these protests now aren't actually about what they're originally about. The original protests were about social, you know, about injustices, about police brutality, or at least that's what Colin Kaepernick was protesting, right? Now you're protesting the right to protest. And we're, it's, at some point it's going to become like, you remember you ever see the movie PCU? Protesting protesters protests? It's kind of what it's starting to feel like. But for Big Ben, like, dude, what are you doing? I'm for our team and for our unity, but I wish we had done something that one of my teammates actually did, and I couldn't sleep last night. I'm calling bull, you know what? If Ben Roethlisberger couldn't sleep last night, it's because of the 17 missed connections, 22 of 39, and the fact they lost to the Chicago Bears. That's what he didn't sleep about. It's that going through his head, not, man, I really should have gone out there during the national anthem. I'm sure some of his boys, maybe his parents or his wife's like, man, he should have gone out there. Like, yeah, you're right. Next time I'll go out there. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Let's welcome in James Franklin, head coach of Penn State. Coach, uh, it's a couple days now removed from it, and I know you're on to the next game, but that game has to be replaying in your mind. And when you close your eyes and you think about it, Tell me about the struggles in the red zone and why you think uh, so oftentimes you guys were able to march down the field but not able to get the points you probably rightfully earned. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think if you look at the statistics of the game, time of possession, um, yards, uh, all those types of things, field position, um, you know, it would tell you a completely different story. But um, my first time going to Iowa, Coach Ferris does a great job, great program. Um, you know, their record with uh, top 10 opponents at, the, at their stadium at night, they were like, uh, I think they won four out of their last five. Um, you know, so it was, it was, it was a uh, tough environment. It's the first time I ever been there and it was impressive. And, and we, uh, we made some mistakes and you know, we got down into the red zone, uh, couldn't punch it in, <clears throat> missed a couple field goals. We just didn't execute the way we needed to execute. Um, but most importantly, like you mentioned, you know, we found a way to get a win on the road in a very tough environment against an undefeated football team. I know you've seen the replay time and again of, of Juwan's catch, but did you see Josie Jewell? I mean, he was like fingertips away from deflecting the ball. It's the defensive back for Iowa. Like in the, you know, in football cliche is always it's a game of inches. But nothing speaks more to that than the Trace McSorley pass, which was an inch away from being deflected. Yeah, well, I think typically that's kind of how it is in the red zone. You know, you, the, the field is shrunk, the playbook is shrunk, the windows are tighter. Um, but you, you know, there's no doubt about when you watch the replay, um, you know, he was very, very close to defecting, deflecting that play. There was a bunch of other players in the area as well. Everybody converged on the ball, and you know, fortunately we came out with it. Um, okay, so – when Saquon was on his second campus visit, that's when you had become the head coach, right? Bill O'Brien started recruiting him, but I think the recruiting changed when you got there. First time you met Saquon Barkley, what was your impression of him? Yeah, when I got the job, Saquon was committed to another school in the conference. So, um, yeah, we, we got a chance to inter, you know, interact with him and realize this is the guy that we wanted on our team and, you know, on our campus and a part of our football team and, 
you know, just started recruiting the heck out of him and basically told him and his family, you know, that they were coming to Penn State whether they liked it or not. <laughs> okay, so, but, I mean, like, look, he's a freak. Like, I, I mean, I've seen the videos of him in the weight room and squatting like 600, right? And then seeing, you know, the performances last year and then this incredible performance, 358 all-purpose yards, jumping over dudes, the 44-yard run, like – did you have any idea just how talented he was when you were no, recruiting him? <clears throat> no, I don't think anybody really did. You know, he, he was he was a fairly highly recruited guy, but it's not like he was one of the top running backs in the country based on rankings. You know, he was an in-state kid for us who we thought had a chance to develop into a really good football player you know, when he committed to us. And then, go, and then his senior year, he was committed to us before his senior year, then his senior year, you know, he had a really good year, and I started to think that this guy's got a chance maybe to be special. His senior year, year film was a lot better than his junior year film, and then he just really matured. One of these guys, when he stepped on campus, he's just really bought into everything that we've asked him to do, uh, maximized every experience, and you know, he's it's really uh, it's really paying off for him, and obviously for us as well. You know, uh, Kirk Herbstreit pointed out calling the game, and you know, to those of us kind of layman watching at home, like. On the last play, he picks up he picks up the bit blitz and pass pro. Is it is it fair to say that as much as the spectacular highlights should be the reason that he should get win the Heisman because he's the best college? But if you're the best college football player, you also have to block. You know, it's the three phases of being a running back, and he's pretty good in pass pro, not just in catching and running the football. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to talk about those things because they're not sexy, but they're. Uh... They're critical to our success, and he takes pride in all those things. He wants to be the best blocking running back in the country. He wants to be the best receiving running back in the country. He wants to be the best runners, no doubt about it. You know, I've been doing this 23, 23 years at every single level in every major conference as well as the NFL, and I've never seen anybody like him. Uh, he's the best you know, uh, college football player um, in the country. I, I can't imagine you know, that there's, there's, there's a guy better. Last year, uh, I would – I would say, I mean, like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's safe to say that you snuck up on some people, right? I mean, you had all those injuries against Michigan. You lost the early one to Pitt. And so then what, the Minnesota game kind of turned the tide, and you guys started marching through the season. Of course, the big win over Ohio State would kind of, uh, yep. all, all of a sudden things started going downhill. But now, ranked number four in the country, now there's huge expectations. Uh, wh- what are the challenges like in handling those expectations now as opposed to last year we had a young team that you felt like could come together, but there weren't the expectations. Yeah, it's different. There's no doubt about it. But we try to keep our approach the same. You know, I wish it was the old days where I could insulate the players from it. You know, but now with social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram or whatever it may be, it's hard to insulate the players from it. So, you know, for us, we just keep our approach the same. We keep it consistent. You know, it's uh, it's a weakness to get caught up in in criticism or praise. So you know, it's it's easy for me now to say, look, tune the positive stuff out because before, you know, there was some negativity. So um, you know, our guys our guys have been great. We've handled it really well. But I don't I don't think there's any doubt. Exactly what you're saying is, you know, um, you know last year we were kind of able to sneak up on people, and this year, you know, we're kind of being hunted. You know, so um, our guys have taken a very mature approach. You know, we're an older team this year. Last year, we were one of the youngest teams in America, and I think we've learned from those experiences. And you know, we're uh, working hard to build you know something special for this season. If there's in going back over the tape, you know, Wadley gassed you for the 70 yard and the 35 yard touchdowns. Um, it, are those just are those just breakdowns? Because outside of those couple of plays, you guys basically dominated the game. 
uh, in in reviewing what went wrong with those couple of breakdowns, what happened? Well, I think I think if you if you go back again and you watch the tape and you look at the stats, I think up to that point they had like you know thirty yards or something. So um, you play a good football team, you know that's well coached and, and talented, and our defense had been playing extremely well and. And we weren't able to score on offense. And, you know, if you keep giving a team like that opportunities, they're going to make some plays. I mean, he's one of the better running backs in the country as well. And, and um, you know, did a nice job, made, it, made a few plays. Obviously, we had some breakdowns, but we'd been playing great defense uh, all night. And really, you know, you, look, you talk about the score early on, had, you know, had a turnover, had a safety. They played really well on defense. Yeah, no, up five nothing in an absolute slobber knocker. And as you said after the game, those are the games that you know fifty fifty. And when you win them, it can completely turn the season. That changes the season from one in which you play in any bowl game to now where you play in the bowl games uh, where no one else is playing. Coach, congrats yeah. on the win. I really appreciate you spending some time with us, and I look forward to seeing you guys against IU. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, that's uh, James Franklin, head coach of Penn State. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.